Okay, it's a brand new year. Another week has come and gone. The regular season is over. The postseason is here. It's a new decade, the 2020s. And obviously, the new Rolling 20s will be interesting than the old Rolling 20s. But, like I said, a lot, a lot to think about here, a lot to get to. We know the 12 teams that will fight for the Lombardi Trophy over the next month. And luckily, the Eagles are one of the 12 teams. Somehow, miraculously, they're in. And they, have, and they may actually have a chance to go far in this postseason. Maybe, maybe not, we'll see. But once you get in, then you can start talking about where you may go from there. But, like I said, the, the road to, to Miami now really takes off. It's 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 the as Al Michaels pinpointed last year. It's the battle of one, not like in in the other stick and ball sports where you fight in a seven game series. It's a one and done deal. You lose, you're out. That's how the postseason. That's how the NF. That's how football playoffs are run. You know. Yeah, man. I mean, um, anything can happen in a one game. In a one-game playoff, you know, um, just a couple weeks ago, we seen we seen Arizona beat the we beat the Seahawks, and uh, obviously the Eagles are a better team than Arizona. So you never know what can happen. Um, but for the second second straight, well, actually for three straight years now, we've seen the Eagles make the playoff, and uh, for the second straight year, it's been a it's been an up and down ride all season, but. Two years in a row now, the Eagles finished nine and seven and just barely sneak in. And uh, and um, I mean, we'll do the whole previews on Saturday, but we'll see what happens. Um, now, I think I was I think I was mentioning to you at least at least on the when we were talking on Sunday, but I was definitely mentioning to much my boys that um, you know. The way the Eagles needed to play the Seahawks in the first round if they want a chance to make any type of run this year. Um, if they had played, if, if if it worked out where they played the Niners, they'd be they'd be finished already. They, they would not. They're not going to be. They they would not beat the Niners this round with all the injuries that they had and all the issues that they have. No way they would beat San Francisco, San Francisco in this game. Um, but Seattle is, uh, is, is susceptible, man. Um, you know, their running back staff is is decimated. Okay, so they're they're pretty much a one dimensional offense, and on on defense, they're, they're they're not that good. And even though the Eagles have a lot of injuries on their own offensive side of the ball. Um, with, against that Seattle defense, they can at least put up some points. They can put up enough points to win the game. And uh, and on and and the Eagles defensively at home, we know we know Seattle on the road. They're not as good as they are at home. But we also know that the Eagles defensively at home are are a top ten defense even this year. You know, this year their defense is averaging. They allow about 17 points per game, and they at home and on the road they allow about 27 points per game. So, you know, um, the Eagles at home against Seattle, 
against a banged-up Seattle team, even though the Eagles are banged up, they got a chance. And then, you know, going forward, next next week, Deshaun Jackson should be back. And, um, I mean, this week, supposedly, Miles Sanders is supposed to be back. And, uh, you know, all these banged-up players, it, it, it's questionable whether or not Lane Johnson will be back and a bunch of other players. But, Going in, if they can, if the Eagles can pull up this week, then uh, maybe they can make a run. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I was nervous watching the game against the Giants. I mean, it was not going to be an easy win. It wasn't, but obviously, they basically told the fan base we have things under control. And for most of the game, they were in control. But obviously, Saquon bust out a sixty-eight yard run. And obviously, Daniel Jones had his, you know, had time to have good, good moves to put, put, to make, to make good plays against the defense. But by the fourth quarter, Brandon Graham and them said, "We we had enough of this shit. We're, we're gonna, we gotta put this away because we know Dallas is gonna destroy Washington. That's exactly what happened." But like I said, now we we are in the postseason and we probably get the most favorable matchup because obviously the first matchup was all turnovers and goof and goofiness. But I really believe that this is the most this is the best opportunity the Eagles have had to take down Russell Wilson for the first time in his career. Because Seattle is a diff, is not a team that's rolling right now. You know, if you look they lost to Arizona, like you said, a couple weeks ago and lost all their running backs. Now you have to rely on Marshawn Lynch, who is who is not even a third of what he was five or six years ago. And the receivers, like I said, Metcalf is good and Tyler Lockett, but Lockett's been hurt for most of the year. Metcalf's a rookie who can make a couple good plays, but he's not an, he's not yet an elite receiver. So, I mean, like I said, this is going to be an interesting matchup. It is also the last matchup. So that also works in the Eagles' favor because it's going to be going into the night. It's going to be windy. Temperatures will be in the upper 30s. And you can deal with a hostile crowd that's going to be over-the-top wretched. So, yeah, this this all has, you know, the Seahawks at a disadvantage. And that's what what we want. And, like I said, if we, if we somehow survive, if we somehow survive, then we get Deshaun Jackson back next week. And we have a legit chance to to make even more damage. I mean, I'm not saying, you know. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Yo, I'm gonna call. Yo, I gotta call you back. All right. All right, man. But hey, hang on there. It shouldn't take that long. All right. All right. Man. 
Yeah, no problem, Dad had a friend calling here. You, you know, he had to. He got him on his cell, so everything's good now. Shit. <laughs> so we were. Oh, I think I still have it recording. So that's pretty much. A, but uh, but we'll continue. I'm not going to change the recording here. So all right, sorry folks, we had a a little delay. But we were talking. What were we talking about? The Seahawks Eagles matchup. Obviously, you know. It's going to be an interesting matchup, you know, and like I said, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but like I said, this is, like I said, this is the best chance the Eagles have to beat Russell Wilson for the first time. This is their best opportunity, and I think there's a, I have a weird feeling they're going to do it, you know? I have a weird feeling they're going to do it, but we'll see. We shall see, and. Well, yeah, man. I mean, just beyond Russell Wilson in general, this really is the Eagles' best chance to win in the first round is against Seattle when you really look at all the teams in the playoffs. Because, like I said, the Niners, the Eagles got no chance against the Niners in the first round. They're too banged up, and um, the Niners are too good. Um, The Saints, it's, it's the same deal. The Saints would destroy the Eagles in the first round. Um, you know, Michael Thomas would he would go berserk on this defense, and Alvin Kamara would have a big game. Um, the Vikings, we've seen the Eagles play the Vikings earlier in the year. You know, Kirk Cousins is a loser. He's a choke artist. But the bottom line is the Vikings have a, a top-notch defense, and if, uh, if Dalvin Cook can play, then... You know, they got a top running game, and all they really need to do is have Kirk Cousins tell Kirk Cousins to not turn the ball over. And, you know, they'd move the ball easily against the Eagles. And then 
finally, the Packers, the, the Packers, you know, aside from the Seahawks, the Packers are the, the next um, most susceptible team in the playoffs in the NFC. And um, obviously we saw the Eagles beat Green Bay earlier in the year, so clearly the Eagles can beat them. But with the, in this first round with all the injuries that the Eagles have, um, you know, um, Miles Sanders, he's, he's we don't know what he's going to be like. They say he's going to play. They, they expect him to play, but um, at the same time, we don't know what kind of condition he's in. We don't know if he's going to be 100%. Um, Jordan Howard, he finally was activated last week, but he didn't Damn, play Never used him. Never used him. Yeah, exactly. Um, now we're at, now we're, now Brandon Brooks is done. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Lane. Um, you know, so the Eagles have a lot of injuries in this first round, and, and you know if they can if they can play the Seahawks, who are probably the most susceptible team in the NFC to beat, then they they, they got a chance. And if they can go into next week against, let's just say, Green Bay, let's just say it works out where the Eagles play Green Bay, and Deshaun comes back, and uh, maybe Yurks comes back for all we know. I mean, we've seen reports that he might be done for the year, but he's probably going to try to play. Um, maybe Lane's back and healthy by then. You know, a whole bunch of players, but against Green Bay, the Eagles could pull that out and maybe even move on to the NFC Championship. And then from there, it's, it's, you never know. You never know. It's if, a one-game one series at that point. If the Eagles win this weekend and somehow win next weekend and get to the NFC Championship game with all they've been through this year, all the injuries and the struggles and everything, would be one of the most remarkable things they've ever done. Ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be unbelievable. But... But like I said, so getting through this win, this weekend here, man. If they can get through this weekend, and they can get a bunch of, of key players back, then you know it, it, this is still a talented roster that can take out almost any team. But they've just been decimated by injuries all year. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I said, mo- some of them they're not coming back. So you have to deal with what you have, but. But this has been a remarkable run to the get to the postseason. The fact that Carson Wentz is is stepped up and became that quarterback everybody expected him to be, and the fact that he's doing this with like nobody, nothings and nobodies at receivers is unbelievable. Like you and I can be on this team very soon. No, you know, we can play tight end and running back and all that. So it's really it's really one of the most miraculous things that they've done and. Like I said, it it just just if they win this weekend, it's obviously a plus and a and and a bonus for what we've what we've done and is and and I'm looking at, and we're all actually looking forward to Sunday, but but obviously as we go as we move along here, let's stay in the NFC. Like I said, 49ers and the and the Pack are are the buys. They're the two buys. And Minnesota and the Saints will play the first the the Sunday the early Sunday matchup. So, what do you think of that matchup? <laughs> well, um, I mean, my hope is again that the Vikings can beat the Saints because I think the Eagles, you know, 
obviously, in the, even even if the Eagles win, and the, even if the Eagles and the Saints win this week, they're not playing in the second round. But just looking at it going even further into the playoffs, if somehow the Eagles could win two games, um, the hope would be that the Eagles would at, somehow the Vikings would make a run and make it to the NFC Championship game as well, because. Again, like I said, the Eagles are not going to beat the Saints, and they're not going to beat the Niners. So, um, you know, the hope is that the, is that the Vikings can beat the Saints and maybe make a run in the playoffs. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Like I said, when, thinking the early think thoughts of that matchup, like I said, for Kirk Cousins, this is, this is why they paid him. You know, they've just missed the postseason last year. They're in it this year, and obviously they don't have the best matchup, a Saints team that could be the number one seed and should have been the number one seed. But like I said, we'll see what happens, you know. You know, we'll see We'll see what happens here. It's going to be an interesting matchup there in the first Sunday, the first one before our matchup. But let's look at the AFC side. Obviously Baltimore has home field advantage. They have home field advantage. We all knew that. But we saw a surprise on Sunday. New England took, like a lot of teams lately, New England took Miami very, very, the Dolphins very, un, you know, took them very unseriously. And they got, and they got, and they got bit in the ass for it. They got bit in the ass for it. And New England has been summoned to the wild card round for only the fourth time in the Brady-Belichick era. And in the Brady-Belichick era, the previous three times they started Wild Card Weekend, there was no Super Bowl appearance. No Super Bowl appearance, one AFC Championship appearance. So, so if you're if you if you put your money on on the Patriots, you better start thinking again because what happened on Sunday could could be the start of the end, you know. And now they have Tennessee coming in here, and it's not like Tennessee doesn't have a chance. They actually have a legit chance to go up there and, and, and knock them off. Because you have Mike Grable, who knows who knows Belichick and Brady very, very well. You have Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, who's played against Brady hundreds of times as a Miami Dolphin and has had and has and actually beaten him before on a couple of occasions. So this is not this is not a uh this is a scary thought. You know, this this matchup is it's kind of, you know, if you're Brady and Belichick, are you motivated to make a run or could we be seeing the actual end of Brady and Belichick? Could if 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 the the if that scenario shows up, could Brady and Belichick really be on the way out after this weekend potentially? <laughs> well, we're not gonna, we're not seeing the end of Brady and Belichick. That's for sure. Um, Brady will be back next year and so will Belichick. But you know, this is this is a game where I was I was telling my boy on Sunday um, the Patriots are. I think the Patriots are going to lose to the Titans. Okay. Um, really, you you actually yeah. are putting that out there. Yeah, we've seen we've seen the Patriots are staple in the AFC Championship game for the last twenty years or so, but. Um, and they, they just don't have the talent offensively to to make it, and uh, and the Titans, you know, 
this team has been pretty much red hot ever since Tannehill took over. Um, they're not going to just dominate this game against the Patriots, but in the end, the Titans have the firepower. You know, they have Derrick Henry. They have A.J. Brown. Tannehill's playing out of his mind. Um, you know, they got enough that they're going to put up points on the Patriots' defense, and uh, and the Titans have a good defense themselves. And the fact that the Patriots do not have really any talent on offense outside of Edelman, they really don't have much of anything. You know, it, it doesn't matter. We, we've seen it with Wentz this year. For the most part, aside from uh, aside from uh, games, some games here and there, for the most part, you can see with these quarterbacks, um, if they don't have any talent around them, it doesn't even matter how good you are. You know, eventually you're going to fail against a good t- defense, and uh, and Brady, as good as he is, he's not going to be able to carry that team. He's he's too old. He's not what he, he he's still he's still great, but he's not what he was before, and he just doesn't have the supporting cast to to really um, to really uh, elevate them to victory here. And um, yeah, I think they're going to end up losing that game, but we'll do the preview on Saturday. Yeah, like I said, I, I've already given you some sneak ideas that you know Mike Vrabel's is really you know he knows how to scheme very well. That's one thing we know. He's built that defense very to a to a degree where they they don't give up a lot of points. And obviously, you know, they had their last two home games. Obviously, they played Houston. It was a tough game, but you know, they 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 kind of caught Houston sleeping a little bit. And then obviously, you know, in the sec and then New Orleans, you know, they 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 brought it, but New Orleans is just a little better than them right now. So but to this matchup, obviously, like I said, we've seen New England, and I've been telling you for the last two months, there's something about this Patriots team that's not right. There's just something not there. And now you're finally getting what I've been telling you for the last two months, that this this Patriots team, it's not like it's been the last couple of years. Brady's for, is getting older. You know, Brady's getting older. They don't have, you know, Sony Michelle and, and James White are not, the the backs that that's going to carry them, Elman is the only weapon they have, but he needs help, and he doesn't have that help. Muhammad Sanu even questioned. He even came out this week and questioned. He doesn't fit this offense right now. He needs to learn more of the playbook. You know, being you know trading to New England is like a benefit, but if you don't know the playbook, if you don't understand how how Brady works and how that how offense works, how are you going to have any success? So. Yeah, this, yeah, there's, you know, you, you finally re- come to the light that this this matchup here could be a, could be uh, the end of the road for Brady and Belichick, and it's not like in the wild card round they've been destroyed before. Think about a decade ago when the Ravens went up there in a wild card round, and absolutely the game was over in ten minutes. You know, Brady and Belichick got their ass whipped by Reed and and Lewis, and Suggs, and Nada, and obviously Ray Rice was on that team, and he ran down their throats right away, so yeah, if if Brady and Belichick are not motivated, then this is, then their, their, their season could end to, on Saturday night, you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to put that as the uh, end of the era, but in this game, 
this this season, then I, I still I do think that the Patriots just don't have the offensive firepower to even win this game, let alone make a run in the playoffs. And uh, I think that um, I do think that they'll bring back Brady, and obviously Belichick will be back. And I do think they're going to make the right the moves in the off season to get some real receivers in there. But um, but for this year. Yeah, I think I think the Patriots are going to be one and done. Well, one thing is for sure is that I know Belichick will be back next year. He's not. We know he ain't retiring. But we'll yeah. see about Brady. I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, if, if if known sources are saying he wants to go elsewhere, then what's you know? It's not like nobody could stop him. Nobody can really stop him. You know, so so yeah, we'll I see. I I'm trying not to buy that, but. But we'll see. But we'll see. We all will see come March what happens there. But yeah, every every year they have the same reports that Brady wants out. It, it, it's all just a negotiation ploy, you know. He, he's trying to get as much money as he can, and uh, they'll pay him, and he'll be back next year. That's just what it is. All right, that's your opinion. All right. Well, the other the other matchup, and obviously. If you think about Brady and Belichick's dominance of the AFC East, there's only two years where an AFC East team lasted longer, their seasons lasted longer than Brady and Belichick, and that was Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez, and the New York Jets in 2009 and 2010. They both both times went to the AFC Championship game, and one of those times they beat Brady and Belichick. So could Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills have an opportunity to extend their season longer than Bray and Belichick this weekend when they go to Houston once again to open the postseason because you and I both know nobody gives a damn about Houston. They start to see they start the playoffs every year and it's it will once again be the case on Saturday. But obviously looking into this matchup, I really believe that I feel like if it the Buffalo has a legit chance to beat Houston and beat them easily for some reason. Cause I, I, cause I'm a little, I'm a little scarce because this is Bill O'Brien's weakness when it comes to the postseason. He just not, they're not ready to go. And Buffalo's a team that is t- is legitimate enough to get to go far in the postseason. They're built to go far in this postseason. So, what's your take on on that matchup? Well, you know, um, Buffalo, they're a team that has a chip on their shoulder. You know, they've been disrespected all year. Um, the whole the the whole uh, narrative of the year when you're talking about Buffalo from the national media is that they have played haven't played anybody um, and that and that they don't belong. But the fact is they have they they've beaten teams that are pretty good. Um, they they beat the Steelers. Um, you know they they they've been right in there till the very end against teams like the Ravens, the Patriots twice. Um, you know the only real team that they actually got beat really bad by is the Eagles. And um, other than that, they've either been in that game till the last minute or <laughs> they've, they've won it. And and they got a chip on their shoulder. They're not they're not they don't like the narrative that's been spun about them. And like you said. Bill O'Brien isn't a guy that's had a lot of success in the playoffs. 
And the Titans are a team that does not have a very good defense this year. They've had a lot of injuries on their defense. And even though Deshaun Watson is a guy that may wind up being a great quarterback and he's a clutch quarterback, the Bills have a great defense. They have a top-five defense. And they have a quarterback that is also extremely clutch that comes up big in the fourth quarter every single game. And uh, we'll get to the previews on Saturday again, but I do think that the Bills have a very good chance to win this game. Well, knowing knowing my history of the Houston Texans in the postseason, like I said, Bill Bryan knows how to get there, but after he gets there, he loses – he loses. He gets out coach every time. I mean, there's the one year when Brian Hoyer was their quarterback, and Brian Whedon finished the season, but they give Brian Hoyer the the start, and he looks like crap, and the whole team, get, you know, fails in that game. And then last year they play Indianapolis for the third time, and you know they were rolling, and then for some reason, in when they got to this playoff game, to this game. They just got out. They just got out. Coach and outmatch, where Andrew Luck did what he had to do, and that team did what they had to do, and Houston had no chance. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a very talented, is very talented and all that, but Bill O'Brien is going to be. You know, if you're Houston, you better win this game on Sunday. You know, like I said, whoever's running that team, you know, whatever. If they lose again and they lose bad, which is potentially possible, I would question how much longer do you want to deal with Bill O'Brien? I mean, how much longer do you have to deal? We've seen, you've watched the NFL a long time. You've seen head coaches get fired after making the playoffs because they've been told, make a long run or else. And if I'm Bill O'Brien, I better, you better have a, you better be ready on Saturday because Spotlight's going to be on you. And you're dealing with a Buffalo team that has all the all the stuff to contend. They have what they have. They have a quarterback that can make plays. They have a running game. They have a a, a, a legit defense. And if you can't if you can't deal with that, then you know what might have to think about what what what's going to happen with with you know Bill Bryan's job security. Yeah. Well, you know. Um... Like you said, we've seen some. We've seen coaches get fired after making the playoffs and losing in the first round, and um, they've they've given Bill O'Brien pretty much full control of that roster over the last year. And uh, you know, if they, if they can't make it out of the first round again, that's on him. And we'll see what what, what the ownership ownership decides. But uh, he could he could end up coaching his last game this week if things work out the right way. Yeah, because long way I should say. Yeah, because it's you know you can't just keep making the playoffs and do nothing. You you know Cincinnati Bengals had that problem with Mar- Marvin Lewis for many years. You cannot. You have to do something in this postseason. And Bill Bryan only has one postseason victory as a head coach there. That's unacceptable with the talent and the and the skill level and all that you have at your at your arsenal. Houston's been one of the more consistent teams in the 2010s. They're actually they're actually fifth. They have the either the fourth or fifth winning best winning percent percentage of AFC teams in the 2010s. 
and they only have a couple playoff victories to show for it. Unacceptable. All right, speaking of coaches, and you know I'm going to you go, we have time left. We're going to go down to this road is Black Monday came and gone. You know what Black Monday is, where head coaches they they learn if they're going to be around or if they're not going to be around. And unlike in recent years, it wasn't that many coaches. You already knew Washington and Carolina fired their coaches before the season ended. Pat Shermer was shown the door. We learned that. He was shown the door. Good riddance, Frey Kitchens, and the Browns are a mess. Oh, my God. Ugh. Ugh. And, and but then there was two, and then there, there's Dallas, and I don't know what the hell's going on there. It's January 1st, and as of now, uh, Jason Garrett is not employed there, but he's not been officially fired, which I don't understand. He's not employed there, but he's not been fired, so I don't know what, what the hell the, join, the Jones boys are doing there. And then another questionable move that I'm sure you're going to have an opinion on is the Jacksonville situation. Doug Marone on Sunday, according to reports, was told that this was going to be the last game he was going to play. And then he was going to be shown the door after the game. Well, that didn't happen. And on Tuesday, not only did did the owner get not only did the owner say give him a stamp of approval, they gave him another year and the general manager. They gave them another year and a and and so did the general manager. For what? What did he do to deserve another year? The Jacksonville Jaguars are the 1990s Philadelphia Phillies. Where one year they had one great year. One great year. The other years in this decade, no winning records and no postseason. So, what the hell's going on in Jacksonville? That Why would Doug Marone be shown another year, get another year. What did he do to deserve another year there? They underachieve again. Why? You know? Well, yeah. So, well, with um, with Jacksonville, I mean, it's inexplicable. I mean, Marone is a guy going back to his days in Syracuse when he got hired with the Bills. You know, I, I told you then that he was he was a bum, he was a fraud. I didn't understand the hire then, and somehow this guy's still coaching in the NFL. He's proven to be a bum at the Bills. Um, then he proved to be uh, a low class, low character guy, where he just like walked out on the Bills team for another job with the with the Jaguars. Um, and he's been a failure with Jacksonville, but uh, but uh, Shad Khan just keeps just keeps employing him, and it makes no sense. But it's going to be another year where the where the somehow he uh, somehow he he convinced Sean Shad Khan to keep him on for another year, and it's going to be another year of the same bullshit. You know, this is going to be a sub five hundred team. And and they're awful, and they're going to be bad, and we'll see next year. Maybe maybe ownership will wise up and finally fire him, but <laughs> you know it doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why you would even keep this guy at this point. But then you go to the A and the NFC. You were talking about uh, um, Jason Garrett. 
we'll see what happens with that. You know, I saw that once again that uh, I saw an article that once again that um, the Cowboys and Jason Garrett are going to have another meeting tomorrow. So who knows? Maybe uh, <laughs> for it, hopeful thinking for the NFC East, every other team in the NFC East, but maybe uh, maybe Jerry will end up keeping Jason Garrett for another year as his puppet. And it would be nice for us. It might be. It would be nice for every other team in the in the division. But we'll see how that turns out. And then, lastly, in, in the NFC East, um, big coaching hire somewhat is uh, the Redskins Ron Rivera. Um, you know, I, I've never really been a big fan of him as a head coach. He's a very good defensive coach, but. As a head coach, I've never really been a fan of him, and we'll see how it turns out. I I, I don't think it's going to turn out very good. I still think the Redskins have a bad defense. They have a bad offensive line. Um, their only running back that's worth anything is Darius Geis, and the guy's constantly injured. Um, they have one receiver, and... Um, and uh, and I don't think their quarterback's worth anything. You know, I don't think he's going to develop in anything. So the bottom line is the Redskins are a, a, a team in limbo with very little talent. And and I don't think Ron Rivera is the guy that's going to turn them around. Well, well, as of what we talk about, every week we do this show on Wednesday – I watched the AEW wrestling. The Khan family is involved. Their money is involved in this, in that company. So you ask yourself this question, where is their mindset is in this wrestling company or on the Jacksonville Jaguars? Cause Tony Khan, Shad's son is the, the principal owner of AEW using dad's money because he, I don't think he has money of his own. To make sure that they 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 succeed and they're putting out a good product, but Jacksonville has always been kind of a forgettable team, and they get rid of Tom Coughlin a few weeks ago, and it looked like they're going to clean house, but then they decide they're going to bring both of those guys back, the general manager that's been there longer than Tom Coughlin, and then obviously Doug Marone, and to me, it, you know, Shad Khan it could very well become the Dan Snyder of the AFC if he doesn't watch out. He better watch his ass, you know, because this year was another disappointing year, and I don't think they're going to get any better next year. Now, as far as what's going on with Ron Rivera, because I was going to bring that up, and you brought it up anyway. I mean, the story I hear is that he wanted more say. That's why Bruce Allen was shown the door, because reports were if Bruce Allen was still going to be a part of the Washington then he would have turned them down, but but Rivera was told and promised by by Dan Snyder, who had he had dinner with on Sunday, that I'm going to fire Bruce Allen and you're going to have more control over the organization. You can make football decisions. So that's another reason why he took the job. And today, Jack Del Rio, they hired Jack Del Rio to run the defense. So obviously, there's a there's a lot a lot going on down there. But like I said, Washington has not been a winning culture since Joe Gibbs left the first time. And it's not going to change anytime soon because 
their owner is incompetent. They have the worst owner in football. And it's not going to change. It's not going to change at all. Now, Ron Rivera is a respectable guy around the league. And he had modest success. I mean, he nearly won the Super Bowl in 2015 with Carolina. But it's just the, the environment. The environment is not the right environment, you know. It's a, it's a toxic environment in Washington. And, you know, we'll see what else happens. We'll, we'll obviously see what else happens. And obviously, the Giants, they're, they already moved on. And that's and that's what it is, you know. It is what it is. So, you know, can't worry about that, you know. And Cleveland, en- enough of Cleveland. They're they're a mess. You know, the season was a failure. It was set up for a failure. Their head coach should have never been the head coach. Then the GM was shown the door because he because he wanted to keep Kitchens and and was overruled. Jimmy Haslam's a terrible owner. He hasn't done jack shit his entire run there. So, to me, to me, this is why you have to look at Urban Meyer. That's why Urban Meyer is looking around, and he and to me, he brings a winning m- mindset. He brings a winning mindset that might work in the NFL. So, to me, the Browns need somebody that's gonna have a lot of say. That's gonna actually clean up the crap that's going on. So we'll see what happens over the next over the next couple of weeks with these coaching hires. And with Dallas, I don't know what the hell's going on. They know that they're, you know, what you said all, before the start of this season, their money is so tight that they're going to have to change everything around. You know, they, they're going to have to say goodbye to some of these players that they overpaid for. And, like I said, unless they get Urban Meyer and they can't find a regular coach or even Mike McCarthy... Who's who's going to get? I think he's going to get a head coaching job. Then guess what? Maybe Jason Garrett is the right guy, and they're going to give him a new contract, which means more mediocrity, mediocrity in Dallas, which is fine by us. Well, I'm. Uh, I know you talk about Urban Meyer. I would really like to see the Cowboys hire him as their next head coach. Because, as far as I'm concerned, he's going to be the next Steve Spurrier if he goes to the NFL. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're talking about a guy that runs a college offense that is unwilling and basically unwilling to put in the hours that all the other head coaches in the NFL do. You know, this guy has retired from Florida. He's retired from Ohio State because he doesn't want to put in the hours. Just like Steve Spurrier, when he went to the NFL, talking, he was talking about golfing and, you know, he thought he could do an eight-hour day. And it, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. That's college. That's where you, that's where you can uh, – college, you have, a, you have a team that is superior, superiorly talented to every other team that you play. And, yeah, yeah, you can put in an eight-hour day and dominate. In the NFL, everybody's even. And when all these other coaches are putting in 16-hour days and you're putting in an 8-hour day, it's not going to fly. And Urban Meyer is going to be the, 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 the same failure that Steve Spurrier was in the NFL. So um, I'm really hoping that the, that the Cowboys convince him to go to that team because that's just going to be better for the Eagles. 
Wow, that's the reputation of a college coach. Was Chip Kelly the same way or no? Was Chip Kelly the same way or no? Actually, that was the one thing when the Eagles hired Chip Kelly that I was like, oh, wow, this guy, at least he's willing to work. Like, that guy lived and died football. Like, that was his life. But he was just so arrogant that he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't adjust his scheme. He couldn't adjust the, the player, to the players that were on his team. You know, he was, his, his, his problem was arrogance. It wasn't that he wasn't willing to work. Like, that guy's whole life was football. But, you know, these guys like Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier, these guys are eight-hour, these guys are 40-hour-a-week guys, and it's not going to work in the NFL. No, no, because because this league is, is, you know, it's, you have, I mean, college, it's it's recruiting, it's going into these kids' homes, it's bringing, it's basically being the boss and the job and a, and a car salesman. That's the college coach. That's the college mentality. And guys like Jimmy Johnson and others, and obviously Chip Kelly when he was here in Philly, you know, they had to adjust. They had to adjust to what the pro game was. And if, and you can do it. You can do it if you have the worth ethic. And those guys had the work ethic. Yeah, you're, you're right about Steve Spurrier and, and Greg Schiano. He was another one who was just like that college coach that thought he can do it his way, and the college way works. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury is in the same situation right now, trying to adjust, and we'll see how that works in Arizona over the next couple of years because he's not going to be primed to failure. He just has to adjust and get his his act right to know that this is the pro game, not the college game. But it's going to be interesting because I believe that Urban Meyer – that Urban Meyer is going to get a job. I think he's, he's, you know, they were trying, the Giants were wanting Matt Rule, and I heard that Matt Rule is going to stay at Baylor. I don't think he, I think he's, he's proved, he's told him, he's told people he's just not ready for the next level. He needs some more experience. He needs to actually try to win a national championship. That might help his stock. Maybe in another two or three years, he can, he can try again. But Urban Meyer, we saw him at the at the Washington Eagles game, at the Redskins-Eagles game a few weeks ago, and it looked like, okay, Daniel Snyder's going to assign him. Either they had a, uh, apparently his agent either had a discussion, or Dan Snyder finally see the light and said, no, I'm not going to hire some jackass. I'm going to have to hire a guy that actually knows what he's doing, which Ron Rivera is a guy who knows what he's doing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Urban Meyer if he even gets a job at all. Because I'll be surprised if he doesn't get a job at all. And he just goes back and be a commentator and then somehow gets another college job in maybe another two or three more years. Yeah, well, um, you know, Ron Rivera, he's a good guy. He's a good defensive coach. You know, he, he's, he, he's a good motivator. But he's not a head coach, and you know he, he's 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 in the category of a Wade Phillips, basically. You know he's a good he's a good guy, he's a good coach, but he, he's not he's not going to lead your team to the championship. And the Redskins are a team that needs a lot of work, and and frankly, Ron Rivera is not the guy that's going to lead them to the next level. He's not going to take them to the playoffs, so. You know, they they can they can go and sign him. 
it's not really going to make a big difference on that team. Max, that team's going to get to with Ron Rivera as head coach is eight and eight, or maybe nine and seven, but probably more like eight and eight. That's the best they're going to do. Um, but yeah, Urban Meyer. Let's just hope he goes to the Cowboys, man, because the guy's a fraud. The guy's a college coach. He's not. He's he's never going to win in the NFL. And you can give him Dak, and you can give him Zeke, and you give him that offensive line, and it's not going to matter. His his scheme is is his scheme is a joke. in terms of the NFL, he he's a guy that's not going to put in the in the in, he's not going to put in the hours. And um, yeah, by by the at at the longest, he's going to last three years with the team, at the most, probably more like two. And then he's gonna get canned because you're gonna see that he's he's a disaster, and that's just how it is. Well, before we end this, there is there is one coach that reminds me of a, of a guy who doesn't want to put in the work and became the big time weasel. His name is Bobby Petrino, and he joined the Atlanta Falcons in 2007, at an era where things were going wrong. Michael Vick had the dog fighting. We all remember that, and he was put, and he had to go to federal prison, so it ruined the season. And he was a head coach that was way out, was way in over his head, and you know. And then he decides a job, a job opens up in Arkansas, and he t- and he and after a Monday night game where they get their ass whip, he decides to put all you know, write the same thing, and put it on everybody's locker. And then the very next night, 24 hours after coaching on Monday Night Football, he's in Arkansas doing the Wild Pig Suey or whatever the hell they were doing, bullshit. And that was it. And that was it. He's a weasel. And to me, like I said, I'm, I, I know you remember the Bobby Petrino. You remember him. You know? Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. So... You know, like I said, these college coaches, if they want to come in here, and they like you said, if they want to come in here, they have to do the job. They have the quality. But do you want to be a Jimmy Johnson or do you want to be a Steve Spurrier? Basically, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line going, you know, for guys like Lincoln Riley, like Urban Meyer, maybe Matt Rule, all these other coaches. Be the Jimmy Johnson, not the Steve Spurrier. And a story. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you know, you look at the college coaches that actually come into the NFL and, and succeed for the most part. These guys run NFL-type schemes in college, you know. And um, Urban Meyer doesn't. He, he runs his, his little college offense, and it does great with, when you have superior players. But just like uh, just like uh, Steve Spurrier, just like Chip Kelly, you know, when you don't have the, the you don't have the cream of the crop, and you're not dominating players, you're you're not dominating the opposing team with your players, then uh, you know you're exposed. And Urban Meyer, if he if he does go to the NFL, he's going to get exposed as the fraud that he is. Yeah. And it's what it is. 
So what do what do we think of Jim Harbaugh today then? <laughs> what do we think of Jim Harbaugh, a guy who actually coached at the NFL level, went to a Super Bowl, nearly won one, and now went to went to college and couldn't beat Urban Meyer for four years? Like, what do we think of Jim Harbaugh then? <laughs> That's funny. You know. Well, well, part of the thing with him is. Uh... You know, when it, it's it's weird when you when you when you're a successful coach and you leave the, the team that you're on for another team. A lot of times, it does take years to actually uh, rebuild your program. So, you know, I wouldn't I I'm not I wouldn't expect him to just come in and completely rebuild that program in a year, but. It, it, you have, it really does take multiple recruiting classes to come in, get the players that you need for your system, you know, and then those players have to develop because obviously you're recruiting high school kids, you know, so it's going to take two years for those kids to develop. Like that very first class that you recruit, it's going to take them two years to develop until they're good. So, you know, it takes patience. Yeah, and you just go in. So, but but it's weird when you think about about Jim Harbaugh. He went from college to the pros. He obviously was a quarterback at the NFL level and and a and a respectable one that nearly by himself took a team to the Super Bowl as a quarterback, and then became a college coach, successful in Stanford, coached the Forty ers mostly successful, takes him to the AFC Championship game three straight years, to the Super Bowl in one of those years. And somehow he goes to Michigan, his alma mater, and he has struggled, in theory, to be a national championship contender. It's one of the more bizarre... Like, Jim Harbaugh is probably the most bizarre person in the history of football. Because it, it's almost backwards what he's doing, you know? But you can't, call, but you can't compare him to Urban Meyer because he's already at the pro level and he's been successful. Which Urban Meyer has not. He's never been at the pro level. So we don't know what he's capable of if he does get there next next season. If if he's a Cleveland Browns, New York Giants, or Dallas Cowboys, if he's one of those, if he joins one of those teams or Carolina Panthers. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, and good luck to him. And hopefully, if he gets an opportunity. Now the one now one more thing before we get off. It's about coaching. There's one coach that you, I'm sure you've heard the name, and he's one guy that he, I hope he doesn't get a job. I hope he doesn't get a job. And his name, and you know the guy's name. You know the guy's name. You know him very well. A part of a, of a, of a very successful organization that we talk about all the time here. You know the name. Josh McDaniels. <laughs> That's a weasel. Here's a guy who failed in Denver and to, and snookered the Indianapolis Colts. This guy should not be anywhere close to being a head coach. But if but let's say Brady does leave New England. Let's let's be hypothetical and say he actually does leave in a couple of months. He actually goes to like the Chargers or or another organization. And he this and that opens and and he decides he gets that word this weekend, and he decides, you know what? Let me 
take a head coaching job this time. Let me give me a staff and try try it this time. Would would it be a good thing or a bad thing? You know. Um, I don't think he's going to end up being a great head coach, but I think he's um, he's he's basically the heir apparent to Bill Belichick in New England. So he would have to get a situation better than New England to actually actually leave that job, and and it's really not going to happen. Um, even if he has to sit in the shadows for another five years. He knows that Belichick's going to leave sometime, somewhat soon, you know. Maybe not tomorrow, but in the fairly near, near future, he knows that Belichick's going to leave, and he's the, he's the next guy up in line. And he knows that when Belichick does leave, that Belichick's going to put him in as, like, his choice, and Robert Kraft will make him the head coach. Yeah. From there, from there, you know, it's up to him. But he knows that he has that head coaching job in New England for a team, even if even if it's not Brady, a team that probably will end up finding another very good quarterback. Because you know, Belichick's going to find another good quarterback. It's just this guy seems just replaces. Great players with other great players. It's probably not gonna. It's not gonna be as good as Brady, but he'll have another good quarterback. He'll have another good team around him, and um, he'll have another good coaching staff around him. All he has to do is keep the same coaching staff that Belichick has. So, um, yeah, he's gonna stay. He's he's gonna stay in New England. All right. Well, he's not gonna go to another team and hire all his. An entirely different coaching staff, his own coaching staff, and try to rebuild an entire team. He's gonna, he'll, he'll just stay in New England, learn from Belichick, and he'll take over when Belichick retires, and that's it. All right. Well, that we'll 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 leave this we'll leave this uh, podcast as it is right there. You know, 